Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every month we deep dive into a different aspect of cinema, director, actor, genre, or franchise. It doesn't matter, because it's always fun at the Film Club. I'm Dean. I'm Becky. And we have a bonus episode. We do, and it's also Halloween, so happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And we have a guest. <laughs> She's back. <laughs> I'm back. It's oh. like you never left. Introduce yourself. Let the people know who it's you me, are. It's me, it's me, and your favorite <laughs> guest. Uh, I <laughs> it's think, true. Back at it again. I think this is your fourth time on the podcast now. It is. Yes, she's. You're racking it up, trying to get the Iron Iron Woman Award here. Yeah, I'm trying podcast. to make your other guests like jealous. Because I'm trying to think. She's catching up to Alex. Oh, I don't uh, know who you Alex are. Alex and Alex, Reggie, but... I think. <laughs> have been on the most yeah i'm coming for y'all <laughs> what what are we talking about on this bonus episode on this bonus episode what else can we talk about we're talking about the nightmare before christmas the 1993 classic your like favorite movie ever top five favorite movie ever top 10 oh I- i've seen many movies in my lifetime yes uh, and this one is Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, and I found out he had very little to do with actually making this movie. Yes, True. because he was making Batman. And was it Batman was... Returns? Mm-hmm. Batman, Batman Returns. Um, I'm pretty sure he like was in 90... pre-production for Ed Wood, because this is a stop-motion animation film, so it takes three years just to do the stop-motion. Oh, yeah, that's like a real thing. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> that process is like grueling. So, oh. yeah, he couldn't really be there. It's directed by Henry Selick, but... He gets all the credit for it. Because it's he... Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> he gets all the credit for this movie, and Henry Selick, who has made some really good movies. He also made, like, James and the Giant Peach. Coraline. And Coraline. I love me some Coraline. Like, he's make... a spooky dude. <laughs> he's a spooky dude. Really good director. And he is like... I am so annoyed when people think that I am just Tim Burton's lackey. I did 90% of the work on this fucking movie. Uh, and apparently most of this movie was made in San Francisco. Yes. this was A lot of it was made in San Francisco. Like, the script didn't really exist. It was basically a but, song list by Danny Elfman that yeah. they strung together as that, a plot. That's what I was going to say. The soundtrack and the scoring was what drove the script. Yes. It also ended up, like, destroying Tim Burton and Danny Elfman's, like, friendship for a while. That's the reason oh why on Ed Wood, the music's different. It's, um... Was it Howard? Um... Uh, composer for Ed Wood, but I know it's not Danny Elfman. Yeah. So why did it ruin their friendship? Oh, we gonna get into it. But but first, <laughs> the tea, spill the, it. Oh, we're gonna spill <laughs> it. But first, let's tell everyone what Nightmare Before Christmas is about. If you haven't seen the you know cinematic classic, because uh, I have the back of the box here. Wow. It's been so long. I it, know. It has been. <laughs> the gist of the film is that Jack Skellington, the king of Halloween... Is that really what's written on the back of the film? The gist of this film is... The gist of the film. <laughs> no, it, it actually says, Ho, 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 children, the gist of this film <laughs> is Jack Skellington, the king of Halloween, desires something more, and he finds it in Christmas. But his idea of Christmas joy is a little spooky and might end up ruining the holiday when he kidnaps Santa Claus and tries to take his place. And comedy ensues. Just proves Halloween's the better holiday. Um, thoughts, Yasmin? Um, you know, Halloween is are you trying probably to... my favorite holiday, but like Christmas. Oh, I enjoy Christmas, it's but the of the two, I I don't know if I could pick. I'm a Fourth of like... July guy, honestly. <laughs> no, you're the only Fourth of July guy. All American. <laughs> God bless. Uh, 
I think yeah. it's the perfect synergy here with Christmas and Halloween, personally. Mm. Christmas, Halloween, 4th of July, the three great holidays. Yeah. <laughs> we all know who the winner is here. There's no 4th of July door in the forest. <laughs> Which is some bullshit. This un-American commie film. No 4th of July door how in the forest. How, how dare they? Excuse me? How dare they? Um, yeah. There is a turkey. Also, I don't need a hot dog. No, there's a turkey. There is a turkey. There is a so tur- there you go. And there's an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. And there's a Valentine's Day door. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of doors in this movie, but not a lot of fireworks. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, uh, Night Before Christmas. Um, is Firework by Katy Perry your favorite song? No. God, no. I would uh, not think that that would be Dean's favorite song. I mean, you know, he's just so all-American. I would assume that, you know, Firework... <laughs> So weird. Okay, so Nightmare <laughs> Before Christmas. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag? A Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I remember this movie <laughs> when I was a small child, and I don't think I have seen this movie in its entirety in like 20 years. Why am I not surprised? Because I don't rewatch every Tim Burton movie six times a year. <laughs> um, but you, I assume this was, you came out of the womb with uh, a copy of Nightmare. You know, I'm older you. than this movie, thank you. Like barely. Me too. Like, barely. You're the one that wasn't alive for this at all. Like, barely. Oh, my God. <laughs> Making you feel old I just quick. forget how young you are, Dean. Remember simpler times. <laughs> <sighs> yes, yes, before I was alive. But yes. <laughs> oh, my God. But, you're, you know, like, how did you, you know, guys get involved in the... When did you hear about it? You know, do you remember your first time watching the movie? You know, thoughts on the movie? I remember it. I don't think she does. Why? Remember what? Watching this. Oh, no, I absolutely remember. You mean the first time? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have a bunch of older siblings, so I just got introduced to a bunch of stuff through them. So, like... Seeing horror movies way too young, Beetlejuice way too young. Totally, absolutely. And um, I watched this movie, like, a ton as a kid. Still do watch it. Like, Mm -hmm. it's probably been, like, a year since I've seen it. But, yeah, watching it the first time, I don't know, maybe I can't pinpoint that exactly, but... It was part of my childhood, for sure. Yeah, my first time watching it was with you and some of your siblings at Grandma's house. There you go. I oh. used to live at my Grandma's house. You did? Ooh. So that's... Becky was over hanging out. Yeah, because I don't remember when you guys left there, so that's how yeah. long ago... Before I turned... So, yeah, so I was at least younger than six. Fairly. We were little yeah. ones. Yeah. Tiny, <laughs> tiny children. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. I was like nine when I watched this movie the first time, and I think I was eleven the last time I watched this movie. I'm not even. I'm not even how joking. How have you been dating Becky for this long? <laughs> like, I have a pretty. Decent, how did you get away with that? I have a decent enough memory about this movie that I can kind of fake my way through it. Did but you doubt, rewatch it? Doubt. Um, can I ask that? What like rewatch it for, for this? this podcast? Yeah, I know I rewatched oh, okay, it. Okay. Like I did. I like I watch every movie we record on this podcast. You know, like, you're, mm-hmm, you're texting yeah. me an awful lot while watching this. Cause yeah, we started. <laughs> I started texting you at the like the last like ten minute mark, and that's right, when I realized, right. oh, this movie doesn't have a lot of plot. I don't need to worry that much. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but you know, like I I remembered the movie, and I was like, oh, that was like fun. But I think I remembered this being like the hot topic thing for like the early two thousands. That was the only place you could get nightmare stuff, and now you could just stroll into Target, and there's plenty of stuff. Well, it's when Hot Topic turned into like the Disney store, but with cooler mm-hmm. merch. That, that's when this that, <laughs> that was saying, that transition. i remember those difficult days where it was hard to find stuff for a nightmare i remember them too my sister had a 
Jack Skellington straw, like crazy straw, like the one I have mm-hmm. here. I have a crazy straw here, people, with lock, shock, and barrel on it. <laughs> you showed up prepared for the day. She I did. did. I'm not playing around. Um, She's playing for keeps today. But, like, that straw that my sister had was, like, a family, like, treasure. And we, Because, you know, yeah, the merch was hard to find. We all enjoyed it. I mean, that was my first perfume I used to wear. Ragdoll. Came from Hot Topic. Was it like a no. Sally inspired? Yeah. She was oh, on the bottle. Wow. It was a glass yeah. bottle. It was awesome. Dean, <sighs> see, you subconsciously are attracted to Nightmare Before Christmas because like the, the scent, like the primal draw <laughs> for you towards <laughs> Becky was like ragdoll. Wow. By Hot Topic. That is, that is very, that's, <laughs> I'm getting psychoanalyzed on this podcast. This is I interesting. Mean, my fragrance game has, you know, progressed with the years. I haven't worn that in a very <laughs> okay. long time. Okay. It's so deep ingrained though. All the I mean, there's probably like lead in it. So it's, it's probably in still her in there. pores. Yeah, yeah. probably. Oh, God. But, yeah, so A Nightmare Before Christmas. The Nightmare, not A Nightmare. The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, so I guess the first thing to get out of the way for this is for everyone who thinks, oh, this is a Tim Burton movie, it's a Henry Selleck movie. Tim Burton brought, what was it, like a poem? The original poem, yeah. Yeah, it was a poem and a concept drawing, right? Drawings. Because he had drawings for Jack, I think it was Zero, and the mayor. Okay, this is like my favorite like weird production thing about this movie is a poem is not a poem does not make a script so he brings this idea to henry selick and i think he gives it to michael mcdowell who writes a whole or is trying to write a script but there it's not getting anywhere because it's a it's a fucking poem it's not like a story and he's also at the same time danny elfman is composing all this music for the movie and then finally, Danny Elfman's wife or girlfriend at the time, Caroline Thompson, basically is like, all right, boys, just stop playing with your toys. Give me everything you have, and I'll just write you a script. And she <laughs> cranks it out in like course. a weekend. And then that's like how the movie kind of is made. But Tim Burton doesn't show up for like, I think he shows up for like three days of production just to say hi to everybody. But like, that's that's it. Like, this is like 99% of this is Henry Salah. So he just like gets credit for this, obviously, because it's called Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. And he had the initial concept. He has the initial concept. And it's also the thing like, you know, Tim Burton's coming off of like a three-peat of back-to-back successes of Pee-wee, Beetlejuice, Batman. And basically he got carte blanche to get anything he wanted made mm-hmm. and this was one of his like first blank check movies it's like this edward scissorhands and ed wood were like his like blank checks mm-hmm. like the studios were like you made us so much fucking money do whatever the fuck you want and this was one of them mm-hmm. so like they acknowledged that this could movie could not have been made without tim burton basically shielding them from the studio because the studio also thought this movie was going to be a fucking dumpster fire yeah because right. disney was very you know this isn't us so they're like too scary for kids. Too scary. So let's give it to our sister company, Touchstone. Which I miss a good Touchstone movie. A Touchstone logo. Mm. That, yeah, okay, where did you watch this? Did you watch this on like DVD or streaming or whatever? I, what, I'm just curious. You mean this time for the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I streamed it. Okay, did it have the big Disney like mm. logo at yes, the beginning of yes. the castle? It was on Disney Plus. So. Yep. Yeah. So that is a thing that all the the tape collectors and physical media collectors look for is the original release or the original cut of the movie. 
because that's not in the theatrical cut. No. Mm-hmm. That's in all the streaming stuff because Disney's is like now claimed it as like, no, we always love Nightmare. We didn't try and <laughs> bury this thing in like We know Michael release. Eisner. We know. It's too you scary. Know? The kids aren't going to understand. Yes. But that, that's like a real thing that this movie had to go uphill against was the studio had very little faith in it, mm-hmm. but basically let it exist because they thought Tim Burton's name would sell it. And then they saw you know the dollar signs and oh, we're like, made, yeah this movie mm-hmm. made like plenty of fucking money i always thought this movie bombed honestly yeah, it made like almost five times as much as the production cost right yeah well, we should probably also mention it's celebrating its 30th anniversary this year that's why we're oh, doing it for the podcast it, it, it is it is this disney's and hocus been, focus disney's been milking this focus movie focus. for 30 years but yeah this movie like it cost 24 million to make it made 92 million so yeah more than four times yep it also was nominated for an oscar but it lost it it lost its special effects oscar to whom special effects okay yeah so i mean it was also this little like indie film that it lost to um you might have heard of it jurassic park oh yeah yes yeah 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 i've heard of that one yeah you know i'm surprised that the film score wasn't nominated because like to me the film score like that's really the... carries this movie oh well, yeah the score the music is the movie yeah like it's a thing about the production of this that this turned into danny elf's danny elfman's baby after a while because his music was basically the foundation the rest of the story like worked off of like all the animation mm-hmm. everything and famously danny elfman's is the singing voice yes for jack skellington right right and it wasn't until like late in production that they got chris sarandon to redub all the speaking lines because they were like danny we love the singing you cannot pull off the speaking lines that's so funny well that happened and that's why um, danny elfman fucking hated tim burton for like like five years after this because he was the one who was like danny like the speaking lines you got just don't they're not really hitting there there's no dramatic thing i can't do it and Danny Elfman called Tim Burton a slew of names, and they stopped talking to each other for like three years. It he happens. Hardly speak. I mean, Jack hardly speaks unless he's singing. Yeah, like I think. But yeah, I can think of some lines. I think Chris Sarandon had came in for like a week of redubbing or like dubbing the lines, and that was probably it. Mm-hmm. But when you do hear him talk, whether it's this movie, other movies, that's Jack. Oh yeah, that, that, that's his voice. That's his voice. That's, that's his, his voice. voice. She, okay, she doesn't identify an actor; not... she identifies a character. So I didn't know that Danny Elfman. Um, I knew that he sang the parts, but I didn't know that he wasn't the speaking voice for Jack. So then, when I read that it was Chris Sarandon, I was like, "Oh!" And then I didn't like. I knew him from Princess Bride, like yeah. his face. Oh yeah. But I didn't even know that like Susan Sarandon had a brother, and that that's her brother, and like I didn't know any of this. It's. Wait, is this is are they? They're brother and sister. Are they brother and sister? Or, or, no, yeah. I think Chris Sarandon and Susan Rainer like were married, but she just kept like his last name when they got divorced. We, we gotta. I we thought gotta that do she because I, I think she got famous when they were married, so she just kept the last name because she didn't want to like change it back. I it, it was his wife. It was his wife. Oh God, See, they were they were uh, married in okay. sixty-seven. You guys wait in what sixty-seven? Yeah, what the how old fuck? are they? So wait, sixty. So wow. when he does Princess Bride, he's like what forty something. It says he was born in 42. Wow. He's old. He's a, but he okay. doesn't look old. No. He no, aged I like a key. fine wine. He born you know in, what, 42? Jesus Christ. I did not know that. So what? When he does 
Oh, they were married. Well, I read that they were brother and sister. And then I was like, they don't look <laughs> anything alike. That explains it. <laughs> you guys, that's why I'm on here with you. Because you guys are the film buffs here. <laughs> we're, we're teaching you today. But yeah, like it, it, that was like a huge deal about the production of this movie was Danny Elfman. God, this was his like baby. And then they were like, oh, you're taking away like what I want to do in the movie. And it's like, Danny, you're singing 95% of the, the words in this movie. Let True. somebody else do the speaking lines. He's like, no, you're destroying my art. Because ah, Danny Elfman's kind of dramatic, if you haven't known. Mm. Um, oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo, yeah. <laughs> who would have thought? Oingo Boingo. Um, but yeah, like, and I think that's why, again, minor, minor baby critique of this movie. I think the structure of the movie is kind of weird. And I think that stems from the fact the script and it was led by the music more than like a story. Because, like, Oogie Boogie shows up, like, in earnest in the last 10 minutes of the movie, 15 minutes of the movie. Jack just kind of flips to being like, oh, I want it to be Chris everything Christmas. Well, I guess that didn't fucking work out. I guess I'll go back to doing spooky stuff. Like, there's weird there's weird structural things about the movie that it's don't... It's a character Are you talking arc. about the, the pacing of it, or...? Well, yeah, like, the pacing and when things show up. Because, like, again, Oogie Boogie, who is, like, supposed to be, like, the villain of the piece i think that i think honestly the villain is like jack's ego but like oogie boogie who like kidnaps we're really you know, getting deep here yes. oh we're gonna <laughs> get into it. i have thoughts about this movie but like oogie boogie who's like he's the one who's gonna fight jack at the end to save santa or whatever he's introduced in like the literal last act of the movie like we don't see him until like the end of the movie but in i earnest. think that that works really well actually because he's they allude to him and you hear his voice yeah he's like been, he's been banished has yeah, he been that's why we don't see him. We see him in the very beginning during this is Halloween. He's the shadow in the moon at night. Mm. Uh-huh. We have the great, you know, Oogie Boogie song. And yeah, then Lock, have... Shock and Barrel are like talking about him and you hear his voice. Mm-hmm. And I think that that I think it's more exciting that way because you're wondering, oh, who does this? What does this character look like? I Maybe it is a thing where it's like you're saving him for the for the very end. But. I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, where's the establishing of, like, oh, he's the one pulling the strings behind this, and he wants to take over Halloween Town? Like, is his objective to take over Halloween Town or ruin Christmas, or... No, I think that he, maybe based off, like, the boogeyman, right? Yeah, he's the, the boogeyman. So, like, he's the oogie boogeyman. What is, yeah, what is, who, what is the boogeyman look like, right? This, this scary creature that lives under children's beds that, you know, scares them. So I think that's intentional that they withhold showing him until the very end and i don't think he has like any real like complex motives other than just to be bad yeah you know because originally someone i don't know who it was they proposed having dr finkelstein be the real bad guy that he's the one oh, that's hiding he... behind the persona of oogie boogie oh he's the mad doctor mm-hmm. that's it's all... the wizard of oz yes. like <laughs> and tim burton i guess kicked a hole through the wall he's like absolutely not and i'm like i don't think he's I like this a hole is my wall, baby but... god damn it uh, i think that's a little bit too much personally i'm glad they didn't go with that i mean it, that, that's a different movie if they yeah. go that direction yeah but like the other thing that i think is just like really weirdly um delivered is jack's flip at the end because the entire movie he's like i'm gonna make the best christmas ever all spooky and jack skellingtonly and then it just like at the when he gets like shot down he's like well you know maybe what i had before i actually had everything i ever wanted and this was just a 
wild fever dream. I'll just go back so, to things. So why is that okay in It's a Wonderful Life, but it's not okay in this movie? <laughs> what do you mean it's a, in a wonderful life? He's having that whole crisis, and he's you know comes back. This is great. I can't do my Jimmy Stewart. Oh, don't, don't worry, <laughs> darling. Yes, this is great. Clarence, we did Clarence, it. Clarence, Clarence. Well, in in It's a Wonderful Life, there's an entire long like you get this guy's whole life story of like him basically trying to be the best guy possible and just getting shit on at every turn and then at the end when he's like the only way i can like secure my family is by killing myself again it's a wonderful life is a dark fucking movie and it is brilliant and then like when they see like oh all these things you know of you trying to do your best and like life shitting on you it's like you did your best and you helped everyone around you like there's like the payoff there is like that's set up through the whole movie. I think in *The Nightmare Before Christmas*, there's just not that many signposts to signal that flip. We have an entire lament explaining why he's just feeling so melancholy. Is that that's the beginning, right? It's like yes. Okay, that is like my favorite song in the movie. Yeah, there's that, and then you have like Sally throughout the film who's trying to tell him that she has misgivings about the whole, mm-hmm. you know, Christmas. Just be you production yeah so i mean it is a little bit abrupt but he when he gets shot down when he's getting shot down he says to zero like oh they're trying to hit us you know so whatever i mean maybe it's a bit like it's a bit fast it's a bit abrupt but also this is like kind of a kid's movie like do we need a whole thing i do think it's interesting that when caroline thompson took over the scripting and she put sally and like really developed sally's character the whole movie is like, well, if you listen to the woman in the room, none of this would have fucking happened, wouldn't it, guys? Just saying. You know, it is funny. But I, I guess I can see what you mean. Like, the movie is, like, very fast, and it's like it's like 76 minutes long. You probably can't put, like, the extra 10-minute signpost in for this arc to develop that way. But it's a nightmare. It's the nightmare before Christmas. That's right. Oh, yeah. Um, But I am curious, like, you know... How much of this do you think is, like, Tim Burton? How much is Henry Selleck? All, all that fun stuff. Because I know you're sitting there literally holding your Nightmare Before Christmas book that in is, hand. That is from 1993, I think, yeah. And this is, you know, <laughs> and, like, a Nightmare, the Nightmare Before Christmas is, like, your Rosetta Stone for your and, life. And this is how I old have it to... is that I didn't even know I had this in here. That is so wow. ancient. Is oh, that yeah. a literal map of Disneyland from 93? From '93, it's from 2007. That is still so old. <laughs> that that is, thing can almost that is a drink. relic. But, but the book is drink. from '93. Jeez. I have to say that, um, you know, I've known Becky my whole life, and <laughs> just just for a little bit, a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if I mean, obviously, you're gonna remember Becky, but like, there was a period where your whole bedroom was Nightmare Before Christmas, it was. like the bed sheets. The Everything. comforter, I had the lights. The lights, like the whole room was Nightmare Before Christmas themed. It's true. I'm still that person on the inside. <laughs> She's just internalized it. it is. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that's like even goes beyond the actual quality of the movie is the pop culture impact this movie had. You know what's the weirdest thing? And it's something I've just noticed on Facebook recently. Mm-hmm. A lot of friends that I've, you know, still friends with from like middle school, high school they're you know suddenly into this movie and they're like oh yeah and i'm like you know i was the only one in middle school and high school wearing like nightmare stuff and feeling like an outcast and all of a sudden it's like oh yeah we love it we love jack hashtag gatekeeping i was just like wow no 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 it's just you know if you read it (laughs) 
culturally like yeah back in the day back in like 2004 it was the thing for like weirdo like emo edgy kids (laughs) you know um and it's just become super mainstream if you were a scene kid you had your jack skellington shirt and your fringe bangs totally that was like a thing you know you had your like nightmare pins on your backpack i still have mine i mean i think that that goes back to basically disney embracing this movie because like i was just at disneyland yesterday Mm. and they have the whole like they have some halloween decorations up but like all of new orleans square is like really it's yeah the haunted mansion is entirely nightmare before christmas they had like a halloween screams fireworks spectacular Mm. that was basically mostly nightmare before christmas so i think their embracing of it and making this film really mainstream has like contributed to that right that everybody just loves nightmare before christmas right what did what did your boys think of it (laughs) oh i still like this movie of uh the haunted mansion and nightmare or were they not ready ale ale does like it my almost five-year-old he is like intrigued by it a little scared but like mostly like he he likes it i mean he got scared when i sent you the picture of me and jack he was just like no yeah not happening yeah it's a little too too much for him we actually saw Jack and Sally yesterday. Oh, yeah? As we were walking through Disneyland, I heard a man behind me go like, excuse me. And then I turned and it was Jack and Sally on his arm. Ooh. So there we go. <laughs> you were so excited. Did you fangirl? I did fangirl. And my son was like, what is wrong with you? Um, those are adults in costumes. But yeah, it runs deep. It, it does. We were like born and bred on this. Exactly. Like, I mean, like... I I wasn't, but I do remember this was like again like the impact of this movie almost like overshadows the actual movie because I remembered this was like like you said for for all the the girls or the kids who were like you know oh I'm a weird edgy goth kid I'm wearing like my <laughs> Disney sweater that has Jack on it because that represents how edgy I am and it's like we okay. need an outlet <laughs> you, you need an outlet right you know but yeah it's I don't know the movie is just. I really do like the movie. I like all the songs in it kind of slap. There's only one of it that are like that I'm like kind of iffy on. I think that's like um Making w- Christmas. Making Christmas. Is that the worst <laughs> song in this movie? Uh, it's there's a lot going on. It's it's like the only one where I'm like this is just kind of a drone more than a and a chant more than a but song. But do I still know all the words to it? Absolutely. <laughs> that's uh. the thing too about the music in this movie. We were, we were saying that the music carries the film and like basically is the plot almost like yeah and also does most like pretty much all of the character development oh yeah um but people who watch this film i think they there's a general aesthetic that they're attracted to but everybody remembers every single word every single Mm -hmm. line of every song Mm -hmm. because it's just so catchy is this Danny Elfman's masterpiece for in terms of his songwriting because he he's done this he's done spider-man he's done batman like is this like the his top end of like his best work as a songwriter? I think in terms of like libretto, yes. L- libretto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is some $5 words for some poor people podcast. God damn. Coming out, yeah. And Dean got oh. rocked. <laughs> oh lord. I did, I did I like sang in the choir for like a decade and I think I, I vaguely did, remember that she, word. She drops no, no, no. a libretto I mean, and you, know, you look like, like okay, KO'd. I'm just I'm just giving Danny Elfman a lot of praise here because I would put it on par with like an opera, yes. like in terms of the le- the quality of the lyrics. Mm. Okay, you know, okay. Yeah. he doesn't just write lyrics; he writes like the entire. I mean, 
score. The whole composition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So as a, as a like composer songwriter, would you say this is like his best work from the stuff you've heard? I don't know if you've gone through his whole discography. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's up there. It's up there for sure. I think it has most like the greatest pop culture appeal, for sure. Agreed. Oh, yes. I mean, it's going to be a tie between animated series, Batman 89, but yeah. Did he do the music for the Batman animated series? Yeah, it's the same It's the same theme, but mm-hmm. yeah, he does the scoring for it too. Mm, interesting. I didn't know that. I'm learning new shit about Daniel. Corpse Bride, Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> okay. All movies that just hit me in the heart. That's, okay, Corpse Bride's an... Uh, Another interesting thing, because I don't think Corpse Bride exists without Nightmare, and not just, and not just like a whole like, oh, you know, Tim Burton going back to the thing. It's like I like stop motion. Yeah, like this movie basically legitimizes stop motion as like a real mainstream like like filmmaking technique. Because there's movies before it was stop motion, but this one made it like popular. I went to go see Corpse Bride in the theater when it came out. Me too. And people left the theater. Because they thought this that was going to be the sequel to Nightmare Before Christmas. And they're like, there's no Jack. There's no Sally. And they oh left. And I'm just like... Wait, really? Yeah. And I'm like, it's not supposed to be a sequel. It's its own entity. No, for sure. Um, Did they not watch the trailer? The trailer. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> or the look at the poster? I think people were just like, this is Tim Burton's newest thing, right? Oh. <laughs> Victor is supposed to be uh, Jack. Before he dies yeah. or whatever. Did Jack die? Is well, no, because it's like there's this weird thing where it's are, like are we doing the Beetlejuice thing? You know, was he ever alive? <laughs> well, I mean, they're in like Halloween Town, and it's like I, there's cemeteries, but everyone's like these weird ghoulish goblin things. Does anyone? Yeah, dead? I thought it was supposed to be like these are just monsters that. But Oogie okay, Boogie says, "Oh, you must be double dead." So to who? to Jack, when you know they're saying that he's been blown to smithereens, and he's like, "Oh, you're back. I, you must be double dead." So it's like, "Oh, so <sighs> you already died and." Maybe it's just like the low-hanging fruit for a joke. I mean, mm. it, it's like the people that um, that meme that Frankenweenie is the beginning, and then you know, Corpse Bride is the middle, and then Nightmare is the ending for this one character and Zero along uh-huh, with them. Uh-huh. And it's just like, well, no, I'm like those are three different people. It's Victor Scraps, and you know, I forget Frankenweenie. It's been a long time since I watched that. She goes wishful thinking. She on goes the part hard of. in the paint <laughs> on Tim Burton lore. Mm-hmm. I have to. Uh, it's like her thing. So, but yeah, like the the whole thing about like a nightmare or the nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> Thank you. Started staring daggers at me when I started with the A. <laughs> if but, I have to sit here and just hold this book up for the whole time, I will. But yeah, the nightmare before Christmas. I really um I'm kind of curious about like your your thoughts in the movie. You know, curiosity killed the cat. You know. Yes, you're quoting the movie. I see. But <laughs> like you know, I. Like I rem- I look at this movie and I'm like I think it's like fun I think it's good but I think like its technical achievement like is just far and away like the most important thing this movie did because oh, yeah. like the the stop motion stuff because I think like the beginning of it like the whole um this is Halloween that sequence it took like four months for them to make that mm-hmm. for that five minute sequence and this was like the first time you were able to check your work as you were filming mm-hmm. for stop motion. Like, Yasmin, could you imagine we're doing a stop motion thing for, you know, the beginning of this movie? And it's like, all right, we finally finished four months of work. Now let's watch it all. <laughs> we fucked up. We have to restart the whole thing. Yeah. It's like kind of going back to early days of animation, right? Like, 
all the hand-drawn and yeah. hours of labor. And experimenting and using different lenses and techniques, right? And then claymation. There's there's like two or three shots in this movie that are like live action like some like i think it's the close-up with um sally's spoon in the soup or like okay that's like a real like thing like they didn't have to like stop motion that and i'm like that was probably the best day at the office what do you mean like it's it's what do you mean by that shot that shot okay so if you look at that shot it's like a close-up where it's like the spoon and it's going Mm -hmm. into the water and it's coming out right that's not stop motion that's just somebody filming with the camera and the prop because you don't see sally's hand or whatever it just Goes in, pulls it up. Oh, right, right, right. And that's right, it, because right. that's like a normal shot. It's a shot. simple shot, yeah. A simple shot, normal shot that was like done like at speed or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was the best day at the office. Because every time, like, you got to think about Is it. Is there nothing else like that in the whole movie? I think there's like two or two shots. Two shots, and they're all like inserts of very specific things that are like, oh, this does this or whatever. But think about it. Every time you see Jack's hand, that's probably three days of work to get jack to go and pick up a cup and pull it out of and frame. like make his fingers move make, the right way make, yeah what then, about um, how did they do zero? Oh god he doesn't he's not clay it's like a Is translucent the, superimposition onto the frame i think i think so i mean i know there's models for all the monsters and creatures so you know, i'm sure zero he's got his own like physical molds Mm -hmm. but it might just be like a headpiece Mm -hmm. so you have something that's stable and then you have you know the body that you could draw in to make him float i i always thought he was um they filmed like the zero model against like a black background and then in put it in digitally onto the film frame to make Mm -hmm. him look like translucent like that Mm -hmm. because i think that's what they did with the smoke in in later on the movie with like the fog the fog it is weird to me or you not weird. It's wild to me how much the camera's like moving and how much like work is going into making this look like a live action thing. And because like up to this point, like stop motion, it's locked down. Like the camera's not moving, but the models are moving. Right. But this, the camera's sweeping around doing all these weird things. And I'm like, there's so much work going into all these little aspects of this movie. And it is insane to me. I like, never noticed that, that the camera was moving a lot. Oh, I mean, like, but, the, the, this is Halloween where it swoops in and it's in, like, everyone's like coming in. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like, and that's then, a one-long uh, shot, I think. What's this? It moves really fast-paced. That's true, Santa's that's village. True. I mean, think about the climactic battle with, like, Oogie Boogie and all that. The four... Okay, there's three shots of Oogie Boogie without, like, the um, canvas on him where you see all the bugs. I think that was, like, eight months to mm-hmm. do those four shots. Because all the bugs have to move. Oh my god, you're right. Every bug has to move in its <laughs> own unique and distinctive way. And that's why Ugh. I'm like, the technical achievement for this movie mm-hmm. is at a level that I think is very hard to match. Like, just all the little details. Like, the fact this was done on film, this isn't digital in any, mm-hmm. like, They'd film never way. do this again, honestly. Or even with Jack, you know, they had to mold all, you know, his heads. Mm-hmm. But they had to mold them in certain ways that he was able to say the entire alphabet and then sync it to Danny Elfman and match the head to the the vowel or the, the letter that he's singing. Danny Elfman's like singing like like five words per second. Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> and they're just running it through a computer monitor and oh, okay, that looks like the right face to go with that. Mm-hmm. So that's head A, B, C, D. And it's just swapping you know, them out. Not to keep talking about my trip to Disneyland, but <laughs> I mean, just gloat over there. I, you know, my life is amazing. No, um, I went on 
It's a Small World, yeah. which is like all these little puppets, you know, mm-hmm. singing. And there's so much that went into just like the design for that yeah. ride. And it's oh, like yeah. so exciting, like just to look at, right? It's like visually very satisfying. But then you have, um, they have a new ride there. I don't know how new it is. I haven't been to Disneyland in a while. Is it uh, Mickey Mickey's and Minnie's? Runaway Rail? Yeah. yeah. And the entire film is like mostly, pro- uh, the entire film, the entire ride is mostly the projection. The entire experience. Yeah. It is. There, it, there are film aspects to it. Ooh. But like, I mean, that's kind of the premise of the, mm-hmm. the ride. But you're like, oh, this is like really neat, like in terms of, you know, animation. But it's not the same as like, obviously the painstaking process of like for instance painting all of the little details in it's a small world or doing claymation i remember like learning as a kid about like how the nightmare before christmas was made Mm -hmm. and my mind was like blown i think that's how it was for most (laughs) children watching this and i think that's a major appeal too like you're saying it's just like how did they do this and they, they spent so much time you know making this a reality I mean, I think that's something that goes to the movie. Like, you know, the appeal for kids is, like, on a conceptual level, I think kids realize, like, this isn't, like, real. Like, they understand, okay, well, there's there's not real actors on, on screen. Like, that's those aren't real people. But those are, like, my toys. Like, there's a tactile feeling to all the stuff in this movie. And it's, like, I think kids get a vibe for that. It's, like, oh, it's, like, toys coming to life, you know? Mm-hmm. Toy it's story. almost like a toy. Yeah, it's like a toy story. You know? Yeah, it's so clearly three-dimensional. And like it's very and like the entire world just feels really like deep and developed. Like all the background characters look like they have their own little like thing about them. Yeah. I will say I watched this on 4K like recently. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you see fingerprints? I just was like, oh god, I never want to watch this on 4K ever again cuz it just showed too much. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely took away from the magic. Oh, really? Of, yeah, it was just like I, I hate this. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, what would I guess that would be a weird? Ex- was it like you you saw the wires or you saw like did you did you see a little like too much detail into everything? The thing I noticed the most was that I could see into the background, mm-hmm. and so. I felt like the world didn't look as, like, full or, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, you're just getting lost in this world and it's darkness beyond that point, right? So you're just imagining what's back there. But when you can see that it's, like, (laughs) a backdrop or whatever. yeah, You can see the matte painting. Yeah, and you can see, like, the wires on the bats at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the movie, like, flying past the moon. It's just, it ruins the illusion. It ruins, like, the magic of it. I'm I'm glad I watched my uh, VHS rip of this movie. Ooh. There you go. Yeah, Ooh, that's prime viewing. <laughs> this is a movie that should only be viewed as like a VHS like dupe. Should or only be viewed like early that. DVD. Uh, You'll still get the touchstone. There you go. That's that's a real shit right there. That is because this it it is like weird because this movie has been re released a bunch of times. I think there's a 3D version of this movie now. There is. Yasmin looks disgusted at the (laughs) idea of watching this in 3D. It was like early 2000s. Mm. Oh, yeah, when 3D was getting really big. Mm -hmm. And And that's when Disney was like, oh, yeah, we fully back The Nightmare Before Christmas. We love it. And they're just like, no, you guys don't. You just want to turn it into an overlay at the park and, you know, feel like you've been part of the party. I mean, they they legit thought this movie was going to bomb. Yeah. Like, they were, they were ready to, like, shelf this. It got a limited release, and then they were like, all right, it made, a, it made a little bit of money. And, like, 
because when it got released, it made a decent amount of money. But what really made this movie survive was its home video. Yeah. Like this movie was a huge hit on home video. This was one of those like like VHS classics for like a decade. Well, again, there's like nothing really like this. And I think that appealed especially to children, mm-hmm. right? They wanted to like watch it over and over and over and over again. I certainly did. You I don't did. know what's wrong with you, Dean. I, but... I came to it late. I came to it at the, at the elderly age of nine. nine. <laughs> again, like like my parents had like the um the filter off for anything I could watch. Like I could watch anything at any age. Mm-hmm. Like there was no horror movie too gruesome, no action movie too violent. Like they just didn't care. Really? You couldn't watch Scarface until after we started dating? Oh, that's actually true. Scarface and Clerks are the only two movies. My parents, Clerks. yes, Kevin Smith's Clerk was the only movie. My mom was like, Dean, you're not going to watch Clerks because the opening joke of Clerks is you tr- you suck 27 dicks? Ew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she was like, that is too vulgar for you, son. You're not going to watch that dirty <laughs> film. And Scarface was like, my because my dad saw Scarface, and I was like, I want to watch Scarface. And my dad was like, fuck no. That movie's just tits and coke. It's basically the 80s. And so I wasn't, allowed, so I wasn't allowed to watch Scarface. But I could watch like Predator, Alien, whatever. So like, like I skipped over a lot of those like, Oh, well, these were like kids' movies for like kids. I skipped over a lot of that shit when I was younger. Like, so you had no childhood. Oh, I had a great childhood. <laughs> I watched like I watched Die Hard when I was like five. So you that had no great. childhood. Oh, I had a childhood and it was wonderful. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah, that's why like a nightmare been for working Christmas in the mines <laughs> since he was like two chain smoking since four. Like, oh, yeah, that's some, that's some real shit right there. Oh, that's, that's where i get the sweet gravelly voice <laughs> but yeah but that's like why this movie wasn't like a thing for me as a kid because i was just i watched other stuff just saying when this movie came back into my life because i saw it with you for the first time didn't remember the name of it and then found it at the disney store back when the disney store used to be good mm-hmm. and it, it was some anniversary and i got the tape brought it home showed it to my grandmother, my grandpa, my grandpa, and um, my cousins, and my grandparents that don't really speak English, they clicked with the movie. They loved it, which was completely shocking to me. Where my grandma, who could barely speak English, was like, you know, can you make me a copy of this on cassette so I can listen to this in my car? Do you think that it appeals to like a Latin sensibility with like Dia de los Muertos and stuff like that? No, I mean there's there's, <laughs> no, there's nothing like that in the movie, Jack, but it's just Jack's got a look. But he, I think he's got that, like it was just there's a romance about like the afterlife, like in Latin culture. There is, but it was just kind of this random thing where it's like, you know, I've known you my whole life and I've never seen you kind of take to something, but they took to this film for whatever reason. She was so proud her grandparents were secret goths. <laughs> That's so right. Proud. Runs in the family. Then my chemical romance ensued. <laughs> oh, you know, Lord. That was an aesthetic I was dead. glad, like, faded away in the early 2000s. Do you oh. remember when they did a re-release of the soundtrack? And they had like Fallout Boy, Marilyn Manson. Oh, they all did God. covers of it. Fiona Apple. They all did covers. I have only heard, I think, the Marilyn Manson cover of This Is Halloween. It's pretty good. <laughs> I don't like the man, wow. but oh, wow. same. No, I don't like yeah. him either. But yeah. I mean, he does a decent cover. I haven't heard the other like songs. I don't think. I I have the CD I'm at the foggiest. <laughs> 
that's just is it is just like really weird like how this movie has it, it, this goes into um i think when when you were on for beetle yeah for beetlejuice when we were talking about like oh tim burton movies feel like they should be cult movies even though they're all like wildly popular mm-hmm. this also feels like a movie that should have been that's a cult movie but it's just wildly popular because the majority of the population is suppressing goth like inclinations exactly. everyone's Just let it in everyone's yeah. like being like i'm not a goth nor an emo your favorite band's my chemical romance shut up you it's like that <laughs> stuff it's like that girl that you said you saw at church and she was wearing her my chem shirt oh my gosh <laughs> and you're like it reminded me of you were yeah. you just like you're not allowed in here get out no, no. I was just like, it was so funny. Do we, are we going to do a little story time, like for like one minute? Yeah, go for it. I mean, we got time. I was about to go on a whole tangent about how I watched Predator before I saw Bambi. <laughs> just like my husband ran into a guy who has a soccer team, and sometimes my husband plays for his soccer team, and he was inviting us to his daughter's quinceanera. Mm-hmm. And she, I see her and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so like on the cusp of 15. She has braces, like so sweet, so polite, but like she's like rocking a My Chemical Romance t-shirt at church. And I'm like, I know exactly where you are in, in your life, life right now. Yeah. Like I know at the exact point of like this trajectory, like where you are. And like, I'm sure the Nightmare Before Christmas like plays a <laughs> big part in her, of her identity. Yeah. It's same. This is okay. This this might be a thing. We've I'm, been there. I'm, yeah. This might be a thing. I'm reading too much into it. Is is it a thing where like women, teenage girls, did they just dig the Tim Burton aesthetic more than guys do? There are plenty of guys who like this. Oh yeah. I I know there are, but I'm like Dean. Not a, everyone is you. <laughs> I know not everybody is you know rugged man Dean. But I mean like you mean a 90 year old and a 29 year old's body. <laughs> Leave me alone. But like. I I think it is like a thing where it's like yeah you know guys girls love it or whatever but like I've noticed like like women adore the nightmare aesthetic and there's like a few guys that rock the Jack Skellington shirt because growing up I always thought like oh well nightmare that's like a thing for like girls can can I tell you something that's probably gonna make you you know <laughs> emotional sure she's gonna start I'm usually emotional these days so. <laughs> You say Dare in, I say emo. You say in the most deadpan thing, way ever. It's like, oh, I'm so emotional I'm these days. So just So before we started dating and I was like lovesick over him, I used to listen to Sally's song a lot. Oh my god. She, I am so, I'm cringing How does that make you so feel hard. <laughs> my chest is exploding with the cringe. She's like, I've finally found my jack. And How I, does that and make you feel, Dean? I mean, like, I'm trying to see the parallels between me and Jack. I mean, oblivious, that's definitely me and Jack to a T. Like, me and him were vibing <laughs> on that shit. But, yeah. Ignoring <laughs> Becky. Ignoring everything. Mm-hmm. I think this is a bad idea. I understand you. And be like, no, nobody understands me except my dog. Yeah. Shut up, woman. <laughs> Jack, I think this is a bad idea. What? The the trim on the suit? No, I think it'll work wonderfully. Mm-hmm. No, go take theirs. No, this Christmas thing, oh god damn it, he's already gone. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. But that that is actually kind of adorable. <laughs> just get married already, y'all. Uh, you know. He's just like she's got, got a crush on me. She's got a crush on me. A nightmare before Christmas themed wedding. Oh, he would not let that happen. I ain't gonna let that shit fly. You kidding me? Come on now. <laughs> There's so much potential. I'm seeing this now, like play out before. She's creating eyes. a Pinterest board as we speak. Mm-hmm. 
a Pinterest a mood board. board. <laughs> a, a mood board. You know, we're going to storyboard the whole thing out. It'll be great. You can sing your vows. Oh, no. Oh, come on. You know you <laughs> oh, want no. to. Like, oh, no. I, I don't sing in public anymore uh, oh my God, unless you guys, I drink, but I'll do it. Obviously, you're going to say your vows on top of that, like, curling the mountain. Curly yes, yeah. the curly hill. With, like, the, there has to be a full moon. There is an aesthetic Oogie to Boogie is the presider. All of your guests I mean, dress as the other characters. I mean, speaking of Oogie Boogie, we did meet him. Oh, yeah. Wow. So that is... Ken um, Page, you met him? Like yes. the real, That, that the is um, top yeah. five moments of Becky's life is when oh, she yeah. got to meet Jack and Oogie. Yes. I met Chris Sarandon and Ken Page at the same signing. Oh, my God. And did you, like, lay on some sweet, like, references to... She no, almost I was, cried. No, I was trying not to melt. Oh there's no no i'm not joking she almost cried i i did almost cry because i mean chris sarandon like i was saying earlier that is his voice so hearing him and you know talking to him i was like oh my god and you know i'm talking to jack skellington this is weird and then you know dean shows up with his princess bride stuff for his sister mm-hmm. and then chris sarandon's like uh so you got a thing for the princess right he goes no my sister so you have jack you know giving him a hard time and i'm like this is awesome. <laughs> it was literally her what greatest Becky moment. What Becky lives for. Yes. And then we move over to Ken Page. And Ken Page is Oogie Boogie through and through. I mean, the, the voice was just... It, it is him. It is him. It's booming. And uh, yeah, it, I, I gave him my name so he could, you know, sign my uh, my autograph. Oh, is that Becky? How do you spell that? B-E-C-K. <laughs> what? And that's and when the- Dean had to catch me because I was just like, oh my God. He literally said it like that, he, like he the big, like oh, what? like yeah. he d- said it just like that, and yeah, Becky almost fucking cried, <laughs> almost. Ugh. I don't break that easily, but she that day was shaking on the way to the car. She was shaking on the way to the car. Of strength, <laughs> but yeah, like this, it is just fascinating how deep this movie runs for you. It is just, oh yeah, fascinating. It's a thing, you know. Lydia's part of, you know. What makes up my character? Nightmare is, you know, a good majority of my character. It's a thing. I don't know. I mean, you're asking <laughs> you're, why. You're starting to be like, why Why did I show up to this? No, 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 no. You're asking why this, like, resonates for women so much. And I'm like, I don't want to make a connection that might offend people. Oh, please. But... Please. I want your hot takes. All right. Okay. You know, you got, like, the basic girl who's, like, once the autumnal winds start to blow in in like September, you know you got to go to like Target oh, and like. St- oh, honey, that's July. Okay, July. <laughs> like you know, you got to go to TJ Maxx, Home Goods, like Target, Marshalls, like Ross. yeah, like start getting your fall stuff together. Start like get your pumpkin pumpkin spice, spice latte. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like I'm I'm her too. I know. I see it. Yeah, you, like you I'm wearing it. an orange cardigan. I just had a pumpkin <laughs> latte. Um, what you're telling us is your basic. I'm like I'm kind of like I think there's a basic girl in all of us. I think there's an emo girl in all of us. You're... I think that they can definitely not mutually mutually exclusive. Like they can mingle. Isn't your birthday the first day of autumn, or is it like it falls on it? It like... is like almost okay. the first day of autumn. Yeah, it's a day after. Okay. Becky's I so like jealous, have. By the way. Yeah, I have referred to myself as like an autumnal like princess before like i like (laughs) lean into this hard this is my favorite season of the year oh yeah but i think like why what i'm what i'm trying to say is like emo girls basic girls whether they're the same whatever there's something about like halloween in general and like the autumn that like attracts the female spirit and i think that nightmare before christmas just like falls beautifully into that 
it you know calls to me it calls to us yes there's something about it the ocean called to moana autumn <laughs> calls to us yeah that is a very interesting take fall. Is i think sh- women love like cozy stuff too we do we like blankets but like also a little bit of magic there's a very cozy vibe for nightmare there is. Yeah, it's a world. It's like a magical world that you can just live in for 70 some odd minutes. A 76 minutes. 76 whole minutes. I'm so <laughs> surprised how short this movie is. Oh, yeah. It's a very fast-paced movie. No, I it mean, just like, just flies. in one time. It's 76 I minutes know. long. Like, it I can flies. watch two episodes of Seinfeld in this time. But, like, if you think about it more as, like, a soundtrack with visuals than a, like, quote, movie... Um, that makes sense. Like, that's kind of a long album. Yeah, yeah. You know? I think if you even stack the, the music back to back, it'd probably come out to about, like, 50 minutes, hour. Mm-hmm. Even on the physical soundtrack, you get an epilogue to the story, which is, it answers questions for you. Oh, does it now? It does. What All the, of Dean's questions. What were the questions you were asking? Well, you do know that it was narrated by Patrick Stewart, right? It was narrated by Patrick Stewart? Yes, it was. Really? Yes, it was. Good for him. <laughs> go adventure. And originally, Come back from Page Master. And Let's or, go. Originally, uh, Santa was supposed to be played by Vincent Price. Oh. I knew that, but Vincent Price like just wasn't um, like wasn't able to do it. This was after his wife had just died. His health was declining, and he did come in and he did record. But I guess he was just on such the decline that they weren't able to salvage anything. Because he was in, like, Edward Scissorhands, like, was it, like, mm-hmm. the year before this or the year yeah. after? Yeah, he died, I think, like, a week or two weeks after Nightmare released, like, like the small release. And then when it was out for the general population, he had already passed. So mm. it was, a. Uh, but yeah, Patrick Stewart was on for the, the epilogue on the soundtracks, and he does the opening credits, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, code for Picard. Showing that bald men can really <laughs> deceive anything. See, I out nerded you. How sad. That was, I mean, you've done that before. We went to um, um, like a movie <laughs> thing, and as we're like walking out, some walking out, she's like, "Wait, is that Mister Data?" And it's and it's fucking uh, Data from uh, Next Generation, and he's like. Yes, yeah, and then he just one <laughs> walks away immediately. I've never watched anything Star Trek, but it's like, you know, I, I recognize it from, you know, pictures and whatever, and I'm like, that Brett Spiner? And then, but I mean, that didn't come out. I was just like, Mr. Data. And I was just like, <laughs> I waved at him, and he was kind of like, goodbye. <laughs> and then he Dean waved. and our friend Reggie was just like, was that him? I don't, and the two of them are consulting, and I'm like, you're supposed to be the Trekkie. You think you would know, you know, this is your show. Well, I saw him when we were coming out, but I'm like, that's not Mr. That's not Data. There's no way he'd be here. And I was like, and you were like, no, that's Mr. Data. I was like, are you sure? And I looked at him again. I was like, fuck, that is Mr. Data. I was, I should have gotten him to sign something. Like, right. Kevin is also terrible at recognizing people who he cares about. <laughs> we saw Terry Crews, and I was like, that is Terry Crews. And he's like, no, it's not. And then also, like, Nipsey Hussle's mom. I, why do you know what Nipsey Hussle's mom looks like? Well, I had only seen her because he had died yeah. recently, and then they had this whole memorial service, and she spoke, and I like recognized her just from the little, that little bit mm. time that she spoke. So, anyways, I think women are just good at recognizing people, even if those people are more significant to the men. I mean, I'm terrible lives. with names, but a face mm-hmm. I won't forget. Yeah, same. 
So Nightmare. It's a woman's movie. It is it is the ultimate basic emo girl chick flick. <laughs> it's where basic girls and emo girls can, you know, meet. Meet. And understand. If they're not already the same person. So yeah. Um so I like Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, how about you guys? <laughs> Dean just told us he is an emo, a basic emo girl. Um, uh, I, I do. She's sitting right o- over there. No, you are one. Yeah, not not that you like one, that you are one. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I don't like pumpkin spice. I mean, I did get you to say that you were a basic white girl. That's Was I so- drunk when I said that? No, you were sober. <laughs> uh. You were sober. <laughs> We trying. had an audience for that. People were just like, "Wow, did you really say that?" He I, did. I do a lot. For them. <laughs> I do a lot for the meme. Dean and Uggs. Oh God, no! <laughs> God, no! I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. Uggs, I I wouldn't fit in a pair of Uggs. How do you know? We'd find a way. I, are you checking? <laughs> like, get, to look at get, your feet. stop that. But yeah, uh, any any final thoughts on Nightmare Before Christmas? Great film. Two thumbs up. You should watch it. Don't listen to Dean. This movie's for anybody, not just for chicks, not just it's for children. Family fun for all ages, young and old, old and young, any gender, any basic race, or not. Basic. I did. I did enjoy it. I still again like. I had my minor criticisms, but I thought the movie was a lot of fun. Like I love all the music in it. I think it's like the vibe is great. The aesthetics cool. Yeah, I like the movie. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so what are we doing next week? Uh, next week, new month, new theme. So we're kicking off November, which means we're going to be watching brand new films. But this year we're going to do it with a twist. And even we don't know what's coming next week. So it's a surprise to all of us. That's right. Because for this entire month, we have given the schedule away to our guests. They are going to be coming in and bringing us movies we've never seen before. And hopefully they bring us good ones because I, I looked at some of the movies that were on the list and I am, I am flabbergasted at some of these, but I can't wait. But if you wanted to check those out, where can they go? If you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault. That is The Film Vault on YouTube. You can go there, like, comment, subscribe to our videos. And, well, they're not videos, they're slideshows, but they're mine. So go check them out. But if you want to follow us on social media, you can go to the Film Club Podcast on Instagram, where we post daily stories, upcoming episodes, and random adventures we go on. And Yasmin, would you like to shout anybody <laughs> out, call anybody, say, you know, anything like that? No. No. <laughs> yep, never. Yep. Like never, ever. Never, ever. I'm not selling anything here, Dean. I'm just like I'm here for the for the art. I'm here for the film. I'm here for cinema. 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 Chinema. Chinema. Ah, but if uh, all right, well, everyone, I hope you show up next week to listen to us talk about Chinema. <laughs> but other than that, happy Halloween. See you next week at the happy film club. Happy Halloween. Holy shit. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>